to the CRISPR revolution. This is CRISPR Cuts, a podcast dedicated to the world of genome engineering. Take a break and join us as we guide conversations with an expert CRISPR cast about this cutting edge science. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of CRISPR Cuts. I'm Peter Dang and our guests today are Dr. Sunil Sharma, Physician-in-Chief, and Dr. Rafael Soldi, Research Assistant Professor of the Translational Genomics Research Institute, or TGEN as we'll call it in this interview. Today we're going to discuss their research in identifying novel targets for rare cancers such as Ewing sarcoma. Today I'm also joined by Synthigo's Head of Science and Applied Research, as well as occasional podcast co-pilot, Dr. Kevin Holden. This will be a real fun one to jump into, and thank you everyone for joining. All right. Thanks, Peter, for the introduction. I guess first, Rafaela and Sunil, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you first came to be TGen? Maybe, Rafaela, do you want to start? Okay. So I started working with Dr. Sharma in 2011 when we were at the Huntsman Cancer Institute. And it was where I first got a taste of the translational medicine and drug discovery, which is what our lab focuses on. And I worked with him until 2015. And then I went for three years to work for his new small biotechs in Texas, where I helped to put two of the drugs that we developed at the Huntsman Cancer Institute in clinical trials. And then when the IND for the, both the drugs were accepted, I went back to work for him. In the meantime, Dr. Sharma moved to Tijen, and now I'm here in his lab working on still drug discovery a little bit, but more focus on immunology and immunotherapy. Hi, uh, thanks for inviting uh, Rafaela and myself. Uh, great to talk to you again, Kevin, as well as Peter. I'm a medical oncologist or a cancer doctor. I have uh, a long uh, effort in developing novel therapeutics for uh, various kinds of cancers. And as Rafaela mentioned, our, uh, we were previously at um, Huntsman Cancer Institute in Salt Lake City, where we primarily focused on small molecule drug discovery. And um, we put several uh, of our uh, candidates, uh, clinical candidates into clinic. And um, currently we are at TGen, which is uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, we're continuing similar efforts. And in addition, do more of uh, immunotherapeutics and cell therapy as well. So that's kind of our background. That's great. Thank you. And uh, maybe, Sunil, can you tell us a little bit about TGen, the Institute, its mission, and uh, its associations? TGen is, um, has been here for about 20 years in Phoenix. It was started by Jeff Trend, who's a very well-known geneticist uh, out of the NIH and uh, worked with the, on, the, on the Human Genome Project with Francis Collins. And then eventually, he's a native Arizonan, so he moved back to Arizona and uh, the uh, state of Arizona and other institutes at the other uh, entities in Arizona at that time recognized that there would be great value in creating an institute that would focus on you know genomics precision medicine and um, we joined TGen about uh, 6 years ago uh, coincidentally at the same time TGen established a basically a affiliation with City of Hope, 
which is a comprehensive cancer center out of Los Angeles. And so Tijan is now a full affiliate of City of Hope. So we are all members of the faculty at City of Hope and quite seamlessly integrated there. Tijan um, would best be characterized as a, a small boutique, uh, high intensity research institute with various efforts. Uh, as you can imagine, um, they are very strong in genomics as well as other areas, including obviously cancer, but uh, neurology, rare pediatric disease, microbiome, etc. So it's a very uh, diverse set of scientists who work together. To uh, the philosophy of TGen is to basically translate discoveries into you know to impact patient care and impact the health of patients and normal people as well. So that's basically in short a summary of TGen. Thank you so much for that. You mentioned some of the research you're focusing on is cancer, and something we touched on earlier was Ewing sarcoma. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that disease and why it's an important research initiative for TGen currently? Actually, our work on Ewing sarcoma started when we were back in Huntsman Cancer Institute. It's a rare pediatric malignancy, bone tumor. And um, generally, um, we at that time, we were developing this therapeutic uh, that has since gone into the clinic, like I mentioned, which was a lysine-specific demethylase 1 or LST1 inhibitor, which is an epigenetic target. And uh, we were working closely at that time with uh, Steve Lesnick, who since uh, gone to Cincinnati Children's Hospital. He's a very well-known Ewing sarcoma scientist. And uh, Turns out that Ewing sarcoma is genomically fairly silent, but epigenetically driven. That would be the best way to describe it. And there were not a whole lot of obvious ways to therapeutically attack the cancer. And we learned that about 50% of kids who get it uh, are not cured by intensive chemotherapy and radiation surgery, etc., and so we were interested in working on that. And coincidentally, Steve Lesnick's lab found that this particular target that we were working on independently, LSD1, was actually an integral part of the growth story of this uh, Ewing, this rare pediatric malignancy. And so we teamed up our efforts and actually um, created this therapeutic that's currently in, I think, phase two clinical trials um, in the clinic. And, um, you know, like we all know, in general, rare diseases or rare cancers are often overlooked for therapies and specifically rare pediatric malignancies are really overlooked because a lot of drug development in kids with cancer only occurs after the um, medications or therapeutics have been approved in adults. So this was a very novel way of approaching that. When we moved to TGen, we brought our interest with us and continued to work on other aspects of that uh, particular inhibitor that has since you know, gone into the clinic and is being developed not only in Ewing sarcoma, but other malignancies as well. Thank you so much for that answer. And I think it's really critical to try to treat these various diseases where there are unmet needs because of how rare they are. I know that there's a recent research study that you've done to identify novel therapeutics for Ewing sarcoma outside of just LSD1. I wonder if Dr. Soldi would be able to comment on that. 
So we, in uh, our news study, we actually uh, try to identify other targets that together with the inhibition of the LSD1 was promoting uh, that of the cells in human sarcoma. And uh, for uh, that, we actually use uh, the CRISPR platform uh, from Syntego, and that allow us uh, to identify um, genes that uh, once knocked down uh, in presence of the treatment with our uh, drugs, uh, lead to synthetic lethality, so uh, lead to the death of the cells. And uh, we were able to identify actually one target, which is uh, ABL2, uh, that lead together with the treatment with uh, our drug that inhibits LSD1 to um, enhance the apoptosis on the cells. And so that of the cells. And so we are uh, now on the in process uh, to uh, write in and submit the paper. Can you tell us a little bit about, Raffaella, what has really been the impact of using a technology like CRISPR in your research, particularly for, for methods like synthetic lethality, or maybe the field of cancer drug discovery in general? Well, actually, we found that the, this platform very, very useful, not only to identify targets that can help to enhance the cytotoxicity of the drugs that we are working on, but also to identify new targets for the disease that we actually don't have any drugs for. Uh, for instance, uh, previously, we actually uh, performed a study on the scoot of the small cell carcinoma of the ovary, hypercarcinic type, uh, to identify targets uh, that can be druggable um, or that can, uh, for which we can uh, develop drugs uh, that lead to the death of the cells. And we actually were able to identify two of them. And uh, again, we are actually in the process uh, to write a paper uh, that will be soon submitted. Um, we found that this uh, platform very, very useful for uh, a couple of reasons, honestly. One is that allow array kind of a screening. So it's not uh, one, um, you know, a mix of uh, a pool of genes and then a sequencing. It's uh, just uh, one gene at a time. And so that is uh, faster. And uh, the other uh, reason that we really like the Syntego platform is because uh, until now, we always uh, got uh, at least 80% of knockdown. So very high yield. And, uh, and so that will help, uh, that definitely help uh, the, our research. And I would guess, has there been any challenges in utilizing CRISPR in your research? And I guess as a follow-up question, how do you still utilize other orthogonal technologies like siRNA in your work? The major challenge was uh, mostly at the beginning uh, when we were optimizing the array screening uh, by using this uh, platform and, uh, you know, to identify the best uh, restriction factor and control to avoid the uh, possible false positive or false negative. Uh, but once they were in place, actually everything went pretty relatively fast. Um, we still use uh, sRNA, shRNA to validate the data. So once we identify the possible targets, we uh, validate them using alternative methods to verify that actually those are real <laughs> data, not due to something technical. So we still use uh, SRNA, SHRNA, and also eventually Western blot and other kind of screening. You mentioned earlier that utilizing array libraries is a way to identify various putative targets to move forward with. And you also mentioned target validation, utilizing these other orthogonal approaches to then further validate them. But it's interesting because I think in oftentimes in many of these screening libraries, you can identify 
hundreds, if not thousands of targets. And given TGen's strong background in genetics, are you utilizing any sort of complementary techniques such as bioinformatics or pathway analyses to oh, yeah. and titrate down these targets from CRISPR screens? And either Dr. Sharma or Dr. Soldi, we'd love to hear both your comments on this. I can maybe answer first and then Rafaela can complement it. But that's absolutely right. I think, like Rafaela mentioned, Synthigo's uh we feel like we've sort of grown with Syntego because we've, uh, you know, sort of, we were maybe the earliest uh, adopters, and maybe Kevin can correct me there, but of the whole uh, exome library. But over time, what we had to do also is to develop, you know, sort of analytical techniques, which uh, involve some optimization, not just from the uh, technical point of view, like Rafaela pointed out, but also from the informatics point of view, you know, develop some algorithms to basically uh, answer, you know, narrow down um, putative targets, identify essentially what we consider are for us, you know, what are, for instance, cutoffs that we could essentially um, measure, uh, you know, to narrow down, like you said, thousands of hits. The other thing is uh, we also want to make sure that, you know, we get some pathway type analytical abilities. So we've actually been working with uh, the bioinformatics groups here at TGEN, specifically Dr. Nicholas Schwartz's group to sort of optimize some of these bioinformatic methods. Rafaela? Yes, so now for instance, for the LSD1 and ABL2 study, uh, we utilize the ingenuity pathways uh, to find the correlation between uh, the two pathways, the LSD1 and the ABL2. Uh, so this is also another form of validation that what we found uh, actually made sense. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to also say is that it's very important to optimize the experimental setup. You know, for instance, what is going to be your baseline control for these screens? And are you really looking for synthetic lethality if that's the output you're going after, one is going after? You know, what's the subtraction, meaning... What is your normal screen? Are you going to counter screen against, you know, those kinds of questions are also important when you set these uh, large screens. Thank you so much for doing this technical deep dive into this additional screening approaches. Kind of pulling back a little bit, what do you think are some of the overarching discoveries that you've made while looking for novel drug targets for Ewing sarcoma? And perhaps Dr. Sharma, could you comment on that? I think with Ewing sarcoma is one aspect. We also work uh, more at TGEN with um, small cell carcinoma of ovary uh, of the hypercalcemic type, which is another malignancy, is very lethal malignancy of the, you know, it's an ovarian cancer of a specific subtype that affects young women. One of the discoveries at TGEN, for instance, by Dr. Jeff Trent's lab was that a particular epigenetic regulator called SMARK A4 was actually mutated in this malignancy. This is a very seminal discovery that defined the disease so we've been working, for instance, with him and his lab to discover novel therapeutic targets in this disease. With Ewing sarcoma, we were trying to basically enhance the effect of the prior LST1 inhibitor using a whole exome CRISPR screen. You know, again, I'll be obviously these are early days, and I don't want to hyperbole the discoveries, but we have discovered some very interesting potential synergies with the LSD1 inhibitor for, in one instance, 
And we have discovered some very cool therapeutic targets in the uh, small cell ovarian cancer instance, but we continue to work hard. We have other projects in both cancer and potentially neurologic diseases like uh, neurodegenerative diseases that are using the same platform. Yeah, thanks for taking us through that, Sunil, and also Rafaela describing uh, some of the research work. And Sunil, I do believe you're correct. Yeah, you were definitely, I think, some of the first group of physician scientists that were working on using these whole genome CRISPR libraries with Synthigo here. I wanted to ask perhaps both of you, maybe Rafaela, maybe you could start or Sunil, if you think this is more appropriate to you, but just kind of wanted to know for our listeners, what are some of the technical challenges? I know you hit on this earlier in the cancer drug discovery field and really getting these drugs from that you're identifying from the research kind of platform into the clinic. Okay, I'm sure we can both talk about that for a long time. I'll say this, first of all, I think it's well known that, um, well, I think, you know, challenges abound, but one thing that is important is that at the earliest time when we are going after some of these rare diseases, or even common diseases, you know, target validation and target identification is really key. After that, I think, you know, there is a lot of literature to sort of that really points to the fact that even when we know a target is important in a particular cancer, for instance, and even if you have abilities to develop drugs to it, specifically, I'm talking about small molecule drugs, these drugs can have disparate effects. And there is a large amount of literature that has been now produced from many different groups, suggesting that a lot of the drugs actually don't hit the targets, that you can get some phenotypic effects, but you don't know for sure whether these are related to the target modulation, etc. So in other words, you know, the specificity of a small molecule is a challenge. And then, you know, there is this whole other challenge of really making a drug a drug that would work in humans, right? So, you know, we can have a certain drug that we think works in vitro or even in animals, but is it really optimized to work in humans? And that brings its own sort of challenges. And finally, you know, even after you do all that, does it, even, you know, you take it through this, what we call the valley of death, which for which, you know, there's very little scientific funding, even if you put it into patients, you, you know, you still don't know whether it will work or not for other reasons. So there are lots of challenges. Rafaela has, you know, we've developed a bunch of these drugs and put, thankfully put them into the clinic, but and, and Rafaela has been at several of those efforts. So maybe I'll turn it over to Rafi. No, no, you cover very well everything. I think the other challenges are that it takes a long, long, long time to actually develop the the drugs and, and there are several limitations, like Dr. Sharma was mentioning, including the, the diversity. And we target one uh, one particular protein or enzyme, etc. But then uh, in the tumor, there are other things that are working on, and so that may affect the functionality and efficacy of the drugs. And so there are several several challenges that we had to focus on when we develop the drugs. Thank you so much for those insightful comments and. This is more of a, a broader question, but you've discussed many of the technical challenges that come within this field. But taking a step back, are there trends such as novel therapeutics or disease initiatives or new technologies within the cancer field that both of you are very excited about and think that our listeners should keep an eye out for? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, there are many things that are 
coming, one of the things that is quite important is sort of the role of artificial intelligence and drug discovery. I think it probably is a very big field and, and certainly encompasses various stages of that. I think the CRISPR platform is a really big step forward for us, you know, specifically because we're interested in non-obvious target and, and really want to do some work in a small way to help uh, patients who are otherwise overlooked because of a variety of different issues, including, like I said, non-obviousness of the targets and then suboptimal models, et cetera. And I think immunology is a very big field, as we all know, and is increasing in importance. So we're also very much uh, interested in certain aspects of immunology and cell therapeutics that we're trying to utilize technologies such as CRISPR and other kinds of proteomic technologies to advance uh, the field in our small way. Rafaela? Yes, no, definitely limited to the CRISPR. Uh, that, um, this can be a very useful and uh, we are planning actually to use it, a tool to actually engineerize uh, some of the T-cells or uh, general lymphatic cells uh, for our uh, immunotherapy studies. So we are very excited actually about that. It really seems like there's quite a few things in the horizon to be excited about. Speaking of things in the horizon, you've talked a lot about the fantastic work that you're working on and developing today. Can we expect that there's a publication that our listeners can look into in the future? Yes, like I said before, we actually are in the process to write two papers that describe our study, one on LSD1 and the other one on the scooter. So hopefully we will be able to submit in the next few weeks, actually, both those papers. And we will see. Oh, that's very exciting. That sounds great. All right. We definitely want to thank both of you for sharing today with us some information about your work, about the Institute TGen, where you're doing your research, and really, you know, some of the challenges and some of the hopes for developing novel cancer therapeutics. On the podcast, we often like to ask a, a little fun question as well, just to, you know, kind of learn a little bit about both of you. So maybe, Rafaela, uh, you can go first. So you're both in Phoenix, Arizona. It's a very warm place in the summer. I've, I've been there a few times myself. Since you you know, have migrated over from Utah, just wondering how both of you, do you have any tips for coping with the extreme heat in the summer in Phoenix? Yes, yeah, so don't go outside. <laughs> this is all <laughs> it is. Live inside with AC. Have a very good AC. <laughs> yeah, or uh, move to... The highlands, like uh, Peter was uh, describing them uh, before, uh, and Flagstaff <laughs> in uh, that area. Phoenix is not bad. It's just that in summer, uh, sometimes the temperature reach uh, very high, <laughs> a level like 118, uh, 120. And, uh, and that is a kind of uh, limited uh, everything you can do outside. So this is a very good way to stimulate people to stay inside the work. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's a really, really beautiful place, Arizona. Maybe, uh, Sunil, do you, anything you like to do to stay cool in the summer? I think like Rafaela said, you know, we try to basically go out either early in the morning or late in the evening, you know, to take our pets outside and uh, use our pool a lot, like, you know, as you can imagine. But I think a lot of people here in Phoenix will go to like Flagstaff for a few weeks at a time during the summer to escape the heat. You know, it's close by or California is very close by. But you're right, Kevin, it's a beautiful area with a lot of natural beauty, just a different kind, you know. 
Arizona truly is a very, very beautiful state. With that, thank you so much to our audience for listening in. And I'd like to express a huge thank you to Dr. Sharma and Dr. Soldi for taking time out of their busy schedules to speak with us today. Thank you so much to the both of you. Thank you. Thank you. That's been another episode of CRISPR Cuts. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to CRISPR Cuts. I invite you to check out the Synthigo blog, The Bench, for more great CRISPR content. Please send us any feedback you have by contacting us on Twitter. And if you want to join in as a guest on our podcast, email us at crispercuts at synthigo.com. CRISPR Cuts is a scientific podcast by Synthigo. Produced by Kevin, Minu, and me, Bobby. Additional production by Resonate Recordings. Our cover art is by Jeff Merrick. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.